For me, I think that's the smartest thing to do. Rather than sitting down and feeling stuck in your problems, you get the help. You become vulnerable, you humble yourself and you get the help. And and um, you talked about most people not having the tools and uh, you know it's true you just have to look at the world and how the world is to realize that most people don't have tools that will help them to feel happy healthy and empowered but there are many people who do and it's important to seek out these teachers um, as i said if they can offer you services for free go for it if you have to pay find the money pay for it it's important to pay it forward what you've been taught what you have learned to share with others um, you know, to, to pay it forward, as they say, uh, tomorrow is really not promised to anybody. What is it that I'm actually looking for? Do we really know life? Sure. But let me say intelligence. Emotional intelligence, social intelligence, financial intelligence. So I believe it's important for each and every one of us to understand the rules that govern any arena of your life. You are tuned in to Revenge of the Forsaken Gods, a podcast that seeks to uncover lost wisdom, things that we weren't taught by our parents, society, or schooling, for whatever reason. Maybe they forgot, maybe they didn't want to share, or maybe they just didn't know. And I do this by exploring books, movies, and conversations with different people in an attempt to educate, inspire, and inform. I am your host, Andrew Balongo Opere. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew Balongo Opera and I'm glad you're tuning in in today's podcast. Today's podcast is very special. My guest is a wellness and leadership coach of the main protagonist coaching. She has worked with companies like Google, Safaricom and Andela. She runs several workshops and some of the workshops she runs are Return to the Feminine and Authentic Leadership for Men among others. And an interesting fact about her is she has very many interesting stories of her transformation. And if she decides, she might even tell you that we met even way before we are born, if she chooses to tell that story. And without further ado, let me welcome my guest, Cece Ojani Becker. Welcome, Cece. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks for having me. Yes, I'm very, I'm very honored to have you because uh, you're a very uh, difficult person to get because you're very busy helping clients all over the world. Before we start this conversation on how you started becoming a coach, there's something you shared on your page. Uh, you title it Sunday Funnies. You share that. One of the ways I've measured my growth over the years is by how calm, optimistic, as opposed to panicked and pessimistic, I am when I'm faced with a challenge. This is an unusual and pressure-filled time for many. But my being serious isn't the cure. Being morose certainly won't help me help others. Being focused is not the same as being serious. Being productive is not the same as being serious. Being creative actually gets stifled by being too serious. Being open, being willing, traveling light. Being flexible and humble as opposed to rigid and proud. Letting go. These are some of the things that can get you through a tough time. It took me a long time to get this. Stay safe, 
stay creative, stay connected. What was it that inspired this post? Well, thanks. Thanks again for um, having me, okay? And um, let me start with my journey, maybe, and then you'll understand why I shared that post. I've had a very um, varied um, journey, you know, for some people, professionally, that is. Uh, You know, for some people, their journey is straightforward. They've had one or two jobs. They've stayed there for years. And that's, that's perfectly fine. But then there's some of us who the road has been a bit windy. Um, we're happy with where we've ended up, but it's certainly not been straightforward. So I um, was fortunate enough to have my parents send me to um, Australia for further studies many, many years ago in the year 2000. So I did my uni there. I actually went to law school. Um, I did a double degree. I studied... Uh, uh, the humanities, you know, philosophy, sociology, um, international relations. And I, I really got an education in the humanities. I learned about life. I learned about the world. And that was when I realized that I am somebody who is interested in people. Mm. I'm interested in our history. I'm interested in our psychology. I'm interested in our behavior. Um, I'm that person who even at my age, I'm 39 years old now, uh, but even at my age, I, 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 I very easily make uh, new friends. Um, I, I love hearing people's stories. Um, so after university, uh, I was young. I was still trying to figure out what I'm doing. I joined the corporate world. I learned a lot from the corporate world. I'm really grateful for my experience in corporate. Uh, but I realized when I was there that I'm probably best suited for a different environment, you know, an environment where... There's less structure, less rigidity. And this is just a personality thing. Uh, There are some of us that uh, really need the structure and the rigidity, and we like being part of large, large teams. I'm the opposite. I prefer, I'm okay uh, when uh, there's no structure. I'm okay if I'm the one uh, creating the structure. Um, I like working in small teams. Right now, I'm a solopreneur. I really, really enjoy working um, by myself for myself partnering with business partners when I need to. Um, So my journey has been very windy. And even as I was still working in corporate and in the SME space, because I left corporate and went to work for an SME in the organic food industry, even in those uh, environments, I was still interested in people. Uh, I was still interested in talking to people, learning from people. And It's actually funny because when I was in corporate, um, I attended a training once. So this is in Australia. I attended a training once and I remember sitting there looking at the trainer and thinking, that's the job I want. That's the job I want. I want to be that person helping other people get insights. I want to be that person having great, meaningful, great conversation with others. So that was when the light bulb went on that I should be doing something along those lines. Um, I moved into the SME space. Uh, it was then that I had the, the, the time and the headspace to do further studies. So I got my coaching accreditation uh, with the Life Coaching Institute of Australia. And when that was done, two years later, I decided to uh, bite the bullet and start my own um, coaching practice. So I started off coaching Australians in Australia. Then I moved back to Kenya, where I'm from. and continued the coaching work here. And 
over the years, I have also received a lot of coaching. Uh, I got my first coach when I was 28. That was um, 11 years ago. And coaching has been uh, the singular thing in my life that has really, really just um, helped me to feel empowered Helped me to stop wind. Helped me to stop whining and whinging and blaming other people <laughs> for my challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, a coach, I, you know, I got a coach when I started my new business. I got a coach when I was pregnant with my daughter. You know, every time there's a challenge, um, you know, my husband and I, when we hit a bumpy uh, ride, a bumpy part in our journey, we we speak to. Um, psychologists and counselors to help us out. And for me, I think that's the smartest thing to do. Rather than sitting down and feeling stuck in your problems, you get the help. You become vulnerable, you humble yourself, and you get the help. And if you can get the help for free, great. But if you have to pay for the help, go ahead and do that. And so right now, you know, at the time this is being recorded, you know, it's. it's uh, April, uh, the year 2020, COVID-19 uh, virus is, um, uh, a pandemic is, is going on. Um, we are uh, social distance, we are physical distancing, I should say. We are working from home, limiting our movement. And a lot of people are really struggling with that. Um, it has had consequences and repercussions for our personal lives, for our businesses, uh, there are some people who are thriving, and that's that's really great. Uh, but there are many people who are struggling. And throughout my struggles, um, Andrew, yes. I my approach to my struggles has evolved over time. So as I said earlier, I was that person who was you know constantly blaming, feeling like the victim. This was me in my early twenties, and then I got a coach. I became empowered. I believed that yes. Uh, this is great. I'm empowered. I I, I do have um, some form of uh, influence over how my life goes. Uh, but then you get knocked around. So I got knocked around uh, when my dad passed away. Um, my my husband's grandfather, when he passed away, I got knocked around. Um, you know, just that realization that, wow, you actually don't have control. Um uh, before I was uh, blessed enough to have my daughter, um, I, I had a miscarriage early on in a pregnancy. So that also knocked me around. So those are the things that took me to the next level of, of um, personal development, which is learning to surrender and accept and, and still feel empowered, even though you know at the back of your mind that you don't really have control. And when I did that, when I understood and realized that, Andrew, I was able to laugh more at my problems and to laugh more at difficulties. Um, and it doesn't mean when you laugh, it doesn't mean that you're not taking things seriously. It doesn't mean that you're in denial. Laughter just, for me, laughter is the realization that, wow. <laughs> Isn't life interesting? Look at what's happened. You know, I mean, just a month ago, all of us were making plans. We were making travel plans. We were, you know, people were making wedding plans. People were making birthday party plans. And and now all that has just stopped. 
And it's very humbling. Um, and for me, it, it makes me laugh because, you know, how arrogant were we all? Uh, tomorrow is really not promised to anybody. So, and, and I, I had heard this, I had heard this being shared in, um, you know, Buddhist philosophy, different philosophies talk about laughter. And, and I couldn't understand it way back then, but, but I'm starting to understand and I'm starting to see that when you start traveling light, you, you learn to laugh. And I, I tell you, Andrew, I've had some very serious conversations with people who have made me laugh. I have coached someone who is a COVID survivor and she made me laugh. I mean, how amazing is that? I have coached people who no longer have an income because of the physical distancing and they've made me laugh. They're still able to laugh at themselves. I've had people laugh at themselves after they've got divorced. I mean, there's something about laughter and humility. They, they go together, I think. So that's the reason I shared that post. And um, if you can remember the picture I put up, it was a picture of a cat looking very yes. <laughs> mangy. Yes. And, and the, the, the caption was, the more I stay at home, the more homeless I look. Yes. <laughs> and I just found that really funny. And um, I wanted to share that with people. I wanted to share with people that uh, being serious is um, not the same as being productive. You can still be productive and lighthearted. Um, for me as a coach, I can't afford to be morose. I can't afford to be a doomsdayer because that is not going to help my clients. So being optimistic um, and grounded and inspiring is, is very important for my own well-being, but also important for the people I'm working with. So that's a long way of answering your question about why I shared that post about um, the Sunday funnies. But I'm glad you share that. And I thank you for sharing that. And how do you travel light? Because you mentioned some very challenging moments. You said, you know, you had a miscarriage, your, your father passed away. And uh, you said your husband's grandfather passed away. Um, yeah. in, in our regular life, we don't have tools to help us, you know, or knowledge or wisdom to help us travel light. And how mm. are you able to unpack traveling light in a practical way so you could start to laugh? Well, it started off with, um, you know, the, the very first coach I got um, and, and her just not allowing me to take myself so seriously um, because we, we get immersed in ourselves and our problems and we don't see that you know, the, there are others with um, more hectic problems. There are others with uh, more intense problems. We don't see that um, if you want to expand and grow, you have to go through a problem. Um, we don't learn much when we're chilling on the beach and having a good time. <laughs> you know, uh, fun has its place. I, I love to have fun. Um, it has its place, but, but so does stress and pressure, um, you know? So my very first coach uh, helped me out a lot, didn't allow me to take my problems too seriously, helped me to, to, you know, get my head out of, you know, above the water and look around and see. 
my very first coach helped me understand that, you know, when, when someone treats you in a way you don't like, it's rarely about you. They're also going through the stuff they're going through. And it's important to have compassion. Um, so being coached, uh, being a coachee is what has helped me learn to travel light, um, being given tools um, that I can use on my journey, tools to help me have a, a helpful mindset, you know, to, to think healthy thoughts, uh, practical behavioral tools to help me in my relationships, in my business, um, making mistakes. My goodness, if you, if you want to be humble, start your own business. <laughs> you will make so many mistakes. Um, you'll embarrass yourself. You, you'll think your product or service is so amazing and no one will buy it. And you'll realize, uh-oh, I need to <laughs> rethink things. All that is very, very humbling and it allows you to take yourself less seriously, to travel light, as I said. And then, of course, there's the, the difficulties when you lose someone you love, um, when things don't go the way you had hoped, uh, when you realize that, uh, wow, I'm actually not in control. There's a, a, a world, a universe, galaxies <laughs> around me. It's not just about me and what I want. All this really helps you to, to shed your baggage. Um, but I will say this, though. It's a choice. It's a choice. Some people choose to let these sorts of experiences make them closed up and bitter. But that's a dark place that I am very clear I don't want to go down. Um, I don't want to be a bitter person. I, 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 I know what it's like to, to blame others. As I said, that was me in my 20s. Um, and I don't want to go back there. So. It's a choice whenever you're facing uh, a challenge. You, you still have a choice about how to look at it and how to engage with it. And um, you talked about most people not having the tools. And, uh, you know, it's true. You just have to look at the world and how the world is to realize that most people don't have tools that will help them to feel happy, healthy, and empowered. But there are many people who do, and it's important to seek out these teachers. Um, as I said, if they can offer you services for free, go for it. If you have to pay, find the money, pay for it. It's important to pay it forward, what you've been taught, what you have learned to share with others, um, you know, to, to pay it forward, as they say. So if you're lucky enough to have uh, parents who are um, enlightened, um, maybe you will you'll get a download of these tools. If you're lucky enough to go to a school uh, that is quite uh, progressive and holistic in how it approaches education, that might help you as well. But we can't, again, we don't want to be in blaming mode. We don't want to blame systems, people, politicians. There's something to be said for taking 100% responsibility for how you want your life to go and, and doing what's necessary to get there. So seeking out teachers, reading a lot, um, not wasting your time on activities that uh, don't really elevate you in some way, shape or form. Taking personal responsibility is really important. Wow. Wow, that's that's very powerful, Cece. And uh, talking about looking for free resources, I do notice that you've offered uh, in the past, I know things have changed because of COVID, uh, now a lot of workshops are being done online, but uh, 
there are three workshops that uh, stood out for me that uh, I attended. Okay, sorry, two workshops I attended, but you've done three workshops, which is you've started a workshop for women, which is the return to the feminine. You started something for men, which is unheard of from all the coaches that I've seen in Kenya, you know, the, especially the, the lady coaches. And even I remember some of the men were asking, what, is, what qualification does she have running a men's workshop? But uh, your men's workshop was very powerful. And the last uh, workshop I remember attending that was very impactful was uh, about the Kenyan dream. So can you talk a little bit about your journey about doing, how did you come uh, with the ideas to do these uh, three workshops and how did they change your life? What were you hearing the, the, the attendees? What were they sharing when they came to your workshops? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking me about that. So uh, my approach has been very strategic and it was something, again, that I was taught by my business coaches, one of my business coaches in Australia, um, you know, running events as a way of, of sharing your knowledge, uh, sharing your gift. Um, it's, a, it's a marketing tool, a way of promoting yourself. Um, and it has worked really well for me because I like, as I said, I'm, I'm really interested in people and I like meeting people. So the, the women's event, I, I used to start, let's, let's begin from the beginning. I started off running mixed events for men and women on leadership and well-being. But the more I coached women, the more I coached men, the more I realized this is now in the individual one-on-one -on -one sessions the more I realize that there are certain things that keep coming up in the women's session and there are certain things that keep coming up in the men's session. So I then decided to split and run uh, a women's only event. And once I started running the women's only event, it did make sense to continue running the mixed event. So I had to split and just create a men's event. And I've really enjoyed, actually, I should say this, it was, it was another business coach, this one in the UK, who he, he, met, he realized that um, I, I would do well as a coach for men. Um, so I had been thinking it for a while. I started off coaching only women. I had been thinking about coaching men for a while. And one of these business coaches just said, you know, Cece, you should think about coaching men too. Um, and, and who knows, various reasons. I, I have quite a laid back personality. Um, I, I get along with, with, with men. Okay. I don't tend to have drama. Um, but more importantly, the content I was teaching applied to both men and women. There were just a few nuances here and there. So that's how the split ended up happening. But you see, uh, Andrew, you, I don't think it's wise to do something like that without some prior experience. So the events came about after I had done uh, quite a few one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, because the one-on-one -on -one sessions, individual sessions, helped me to realize uh, what's on people's minds um, and what is the most important content to help them with. Um, and for the sorts of people who come to my events and who come to me for coaching, they are leaders in their organizations. Um, leader, leadership is a 
it's a privilege, it's a blessing, uh, but it's not easy. Um, they need help with that. They need uh, somebody who doesn't have an ulterior motive or another agenda except to just help them succeed. And then because you're a human being before you're a leader, the wellness aspect also comes in. How can you look after yourself mentally, emotionally, creatively, spiritually, physically as a person? Because you need to do that first, even if you want to, to lead. Um, you have to be okay as a human being uh, in order to lead well. So that's how those events uh, sprung up. And uh, it's been really wonderful. It's been wonderful being in a room full of women and talking about the things that matter to us. It's been really wonderful being in a room full of men and sharing with men, not just the perspective of women, but um, uh, helping them to shift how they look at, at life, how they look at things. Um, women, as, as I, I think we can all agree, women are generally um, more uh, prone to discussing um, our problems with one another. Not all of us, of course, but many of us. Uh, not so much with men. Um, it, it's, uh, we still live in a world where it's not that easy uh, for a guy to, to just really go deep and be open and vulnerable. So the, the men's event has been um, really, it's been a privilege. I really enjoyed running it. Um, who knows what will happen uh, if we are allowed to gather in groups again, the events will continue. If we're not, probably just take them online. Yes. We'll see how we go. Yes, and uh, maybe would you mind, if you're able to, maybe share mm -hmm. like some of, you mentioned, uh, Leaders have fears, and before they're leaders, they're people first. Um, and I noticed in the men's workshop, you, you had a session where men shared their fears, and I'm assuming uh, that you also maybe had a session for the women. Maybe would you mind sharing what were the general sentiments that, what are the things that women are scared of, and what are the things that men were scared of? Well, it's, um, I mean, we don't really get into what we're scared of. Mm. We, we get into, you know, what are the different things that challenge us? Yes, yes. Um, you know, what, uh, what, what confuses us? What are we not clear about? And, and to be honest, the themes tend to be the same because everyone, Andrew, just wants to be appreciated and valued for who they are. They want to be um, paid fairly for the work that they do. Um, they want to feel purposeful. They want to be in uh, relationships that are elevating, whether it's a personal relationship, an intimate relationship, or a professional relationship. The, the themes tend to be the same. The, the only difference comes in when you discuss the challenges that you face because you're a woman. So, for example, uh, women are still paid less for doing the same thing. Um, a man will say, this is how much I charge, and he will be paid that amount. But a woman with the same credentials or even more, when she says, this is how much I charge, we still have um, a bit of pushback. So we talk about such things. We talk about how 
um, women have been saddled with um, going out there, bringing home the bacon, but then also looking after uh, the home. Um, and and that's, that is work. It should be looked at as work. Uh, what time do women have just for themselves if they're working outside the home and working inside the home? Um, so those are some of the unique things we discuss with women in workshops. Self-love and self-care is so important. The, the mentality of putting yourself last, women are starting to realize is not very helpful. Uh, if your cup is half empty and you're giving and giving, that's how you end up being depleted. And that's also how you get physically unwell um, when, when you're not rested, when you haven't looked after yourself. And for men, of course, there's the pressure of being a, a what we call a success object. You know, how much money are you making? How big is the car you're driving? And, uh, you know, the need to feel connected and bonded to, to other men in a, in a genuine, real way. Um, rather than just always keeping it superficial, talking about sport, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the conversations are very um, interesting, um, very adventurous, but it all comes down to everybody just wants to feel valued. Everybody wants to be respected. Um, everybody has personal burdens. Um, that that really um, frustrate them, and they just want some solutions, some tools, uh, ideas around uh, how to deal with that. Um, humans are humans, and I have clients overseas. You know, my clients are not just Kenyans, and it's the same themes. It's the same themes. There, there will be a, a difference, for example, between a Kenyan client and a Belgian client because. The Kenyan client is also dealing with politics um, and all the issues that come with living in Kenya. Now, the Belgian client may not have some of those issues or the Italian client may not have some of those issues. But on a personal level, I find that the issues are the same. And isn't that fascinating, uh, Andrew? You know, it doesn't matter whether you're Italian, Belgian or Kenyan. A lot of individual issues are the same across the board. Um, it just tells you that humans are humans. We we are the same everywhere we go. Our differences are superficial. Maybe you grew up in a certain culture where they do one thing and they don't do it in another culture. But deep down inside, I find uh, clients are the same. And I run the same coaching program for local clients that I do uh, with overseas clients. And it works for both. That is a very interesting uh uh, feedback, you know, we normally think that that people in other countries, their problems are different from ours. But wow, it's, it's good to learn that. Uh, I guess at the fundamental level, we all want the same thing, you know, to be valued, to be loved. And you mentioned something which I find is uh, new vocabulary. Uh, I'd like you just to expand uh, a little bit about it. You, you mentioned about self love and self care. What do those really mean? Yeah, good question. What is self-love? What is self-care? A simple way to look at it is treat yourself the way you would treat your best friend. You know, somebody you genuinely care about. Um, somebody you, who you want to see succeed. Somebody who you want to, to be happy. 
treat yourself the way you treat your best friend. You know, if your best friend came to you crying and he or she said, uh, you know, they're so tired, they're so tired. Um, are you the kind of person who's going to say, come on, stop that. Just, you know, stop your whining, get on with it. You, <laughs> you'd be pretty heartless if you did that. You would listen to your friend. You would comfort them. You, you might give them some hard truths, but you would be caring. Um, but we find many of us don't treat ourselves that way. Uh, we're quite hard on ourselves and that's not helpful. So treat yourself the way you would treat your best friend who you love and respect and appreciate. Do nice things for yourself. Um, give yourself permission to start those projects that have always been close to your heart. Give yourself permission to leave a toxic situation, whether it's personal or professional. Um, you know, say yes to yourself more. You know, Andrew, one of the reasons why so many people are resentful of successful people is because they, they are not giving themselves permission the same way those successful people are giving themselves permission. You know, give yourself permission to run with that crazy wild idea. Give yourself permission to rest when you're tired. Give yourself permission to, to go slow um, so that you don't burn out. Yeah, it's, it's all about, for me, self-love is all about giving yourself permission and treating yourself well, having a reverence for yourself and your life. Your life is precious. You know, Andrew, when I had the miscarriage, I, I was, I became so aware of the miracle that is your life. I started looking at myself even more differently. I started looking at my neighbors and just random people on the streets and just thinking to myself, wow, does this person understand that they made it? You know, you've made it this far. Um, it's important to have a, a certain level of reverence and, you know, deep respect for yourself and your life. And I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think many people see their lives that way. You're, you're a miracle. You're a walking, talking miracle. Take it from, take it from me. And let me tell you, Andrew, a lot of women have lost um, uh, babies. Miscarriages are more often, happen more often uh, than people think. Um, you're precious. You're very, very precious. You made it. You're still here. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. You've made me realize how we use that term loosely, you know, the gift of life. And uh, wow, you're, you're right. Just looking at it through your eyes, everyone is, is here. It, they could have easily not been here. So... It even helps me appreciate uh, anyone and everyone. So uh, I do thank you for sharing that. I know it must not have been easy, you know, sharing about your miscarriage. Uh, I do thank you. Yeah, yeah. I shared about it on uh, a platform called Engage, yes. um, engage.co.ke. Um, there are a whole bunch of really amazing talks there. So I was invited to speak, and that was the story I shared. So people can go and, and click, um, do the search on YouTube. 
Yes, what I'll do is uh, I'll post it in the show notes. So uh, whoever Great. is listening, yeah, uh, you please go to my blog after you're done. Listen to this conversation at revengeoftheforsakengods.home.blog and I'll list all, all the resources that we've been talking about over here. Great. So, Thank yes. You. And uh, your workshop... Uh, the Kenyan dream was so inspiring. It, 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 it knocked me off my feet. What, what was the inspiration for that? And would you mind just sharing a little bit for those who, who did not get a chance to experience that workshop, those three powerful questions. So the Kenyan dream uh, was the brainchild of myself and another coach uh, called Jane Katuga. You know, Jane. Yes. And we were having a conversation around how, as Kenyans, we're always caught in this loop. Every election, we we get tense, we get afraid after the election. Half of us are elated, half of us are not happy. Um, what's going to happen now? Is there going to be violence? What's going to happen to business? It's just this loop that we keep getting into year in, year out. And Jane and I just felt that it's pointless talking about things as, as, as the you-know-what hits the fan, it's pointless to talk about it then. We should talk about things before, you know, in the five or four and a half years be- between elections, it's helpful to be having discussions around how we can care for each other more in a very real way. Um, and it starts with what we think, about ourselves as Kenyans, what we think of others as Kenyans, um, what's being said in our homes, what's being done in our offices, in our work. Again, this is about taking responsibility and not always pointing fingers at this politician, that politician. It's such a losing game, that one. Uh, People have been complaining about politicians for centuries. Um, I'm sure back in the day, someone was complaining about Marcus Aurelius. You know what I mean? Hmm. So it's, uh, we, we can't keep complaining. It's uh, not very empowering. So the Kenyan dream was just about what is your dream for yourself? Um, how can you, how can we make it happen um, uh, personally and professionally? So we, we got a chance to have some pretty cool conversations. and. Hopefully we can resurrect it um, once again when we get back to gathering in groups. Um, The criteria for the event was no whinging, no whining, no complaining, just um, creativity, problem solving and honest conversation. Wow. And there were a lot of honest conversations because it was funny because I remember the very first question you asked was, what's your dream? And when you asked us to engage people outside of that forum, I remember when I was asking anyone, you know, I was at school at that time and I was asking my classmates, even the lecturers, and people were shocked because it's like no one had ever asked them that question before. And they took a moment, oh my God, no one has ever asked me about my dream. And what I love what you brought to that conversation. If I remember correctly, the second part of the question was, you asked us what we love about Kenya. 
Yeah. And, you know, people said so much, you know, oh my God, Kenyans are creative. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously one of the best long distance runners on the planet. Our food is awesome. The bomb, you know, and, uh, you know, there are so many lovely things about Kenyans. But also you, you, you asked, um, you know, what are the challenging things about Kenyans? And we listed the, the obvious things, you know, things that don't mm-hmm. work and what have you. Yeah. But the last part was the kicker where you, where you showed us that my dream is connected to my environment. So I have to participate in my environment in order yeah. for my dream to happen and my environment benefits. So it was yeah. really a kick in the gut yeah. because it stopped me from blaming and actually participate. Uh, yeah. that, that's why I found that conversation so powerful and just having different Kenyans share their, their definitions, their dreams, their attitudes. It made me feel like a village, you know, made me feel okay. Because yeah. no, I don't think no one has ever asked me that in an inviting way that even lit my heart on fire to participate saying, okay, fine. How can I use my skill to benefit my environment? Yep. (laughs) It's, it's, um, thank you so much for this, um, you know, feedback. Um, I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's really rewarding to hear you uh, reiterate it again. Um, and a lot of the work we did on the Kenyan dream was based on the Ubuntu philosophy, U-B-U-N-T-U. Uh, Ubuntu is, is such an African thing. I don't think we are the only ones who practiced Ubuntu. I'm pretty sure they did it um, um, in Asia, in South America. I mean, even in Europe, really, back in the day, you know, um, the different uh, traditions and communities and groups that were around. Um, people were more... Uh, conscious of the fact that we need each other. Um, it, it's, it's great to be individuated. It's, it's great to, be, uh, to, to get out there and chase your dream and to be this awesome individual. But the reality is even the awesome individuals are being helped by others. So, and that's what Ubuntu is about. I am because you are. You know, it's, it's about we, us. You exist through other people, yeah? So, for example, Andrew, if you didn't have anyone to interview, there would be no podcast. There would be no Revenge of the Forsaken Gods. If I didn't have anyone to coach, there would be no um, the main protagonist coaching. So we exist in, in context. And... I've had the privilege of traveling to many different countries and seeing what different people around the world are doing. And I remember going to Seoul in South Korea and learning about how the government supports um, entrepreneurs and thinking to myself, wow, wouldn't it be great if there was more of that happening in Kenya? You know, government support of entrepreneurs. Kenyans are very entrepreneurial. It's what I love about us. One of the many things I love about us. You know, um, I have a, a, a client uh, from um, uh, Italy who told me, you know, he doesn't have to worry about um, looking after his, grand, his parents financially because they are now receiving government benefits. And I just remember thinking, wow, lucky you, <laughs> because 
majority of Kenyans have to think about, oh, wow, what's, how am I going to help mom and dad when they get older? And, and you see, those are extra pressures we have. And so th- that really is what the Kenyan dream was about. It was about helping people to understand that um, you've got to be involved. You've got to be engaged. Yeah. If five of us are in a fish pond and three of us keep messing up the fish pond, that's just silliness because we're all in the fish pond. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the other two who aren't messing up the fish pond, it would be naive of them to say, well, you know, I'm not messing up the fish pond, so I'm good. No, you're not good. We're all in the fish pond. <laughs> wow, that's, that's such a powerful Participation metaphor. is important. Yes, indeed. And you mentioned that in your travels to South Korea, the South Korean government helps entrepreneurs. How do they support the entrepreneurs? I don't have all the details, unfortunately. Um, you'd have to maybe do some more research around that. Okay. But you would travel to, to different suburbs and see all these quirky little businesses. And I remember asking um, my host at the time, you know, how, how does such businesses survive? Like I remember there was a lady who was just selling honey. That was all she was selling in her little shop. And it was him who told me that um, the government has um, funds. Uh, for for entrepreneurs. Wow. I'll definitely try and check into that more. Yes, and uh, we're about to come to the lightning round. I want to ask you two questions before we get into our lightning round. Um, You mentioned that, uh, you know, you've been having a lot of uh, sessions with your clients, especially about, uh, you know, how to go and how to go through this COVID situation. And you mentioned that you had a COVID survivor and they made you laugh. How did they make you laugh? And what was their story? If, if you don't need to share the details, but you know, what could we learn from that experience? Well, I can't really share the details cause it is a confidential, sure, uh, you know, sure. coaching is confidential. Yeah. Um, but just uh, the person's attitude, um, you know, uh, the, their personality is, is um, just uh, prone to humor. Um, yeah, it, it was just a great session. And we, we just laughed about uh, a lot of things. We laughed about life. Um, we laughed about past experiences. Um, laughed about um, some of the funny things people say when it's awkward or uncomfortable. We laughed about this person's strength and the things they did when they were in hospital. We just, we just laughed. And, and the truth is, many people wouldn't find such things funny. But again, that goes back to, um, you know, the connection between humility and laughter. You know, um, there are two roads you can go down um, when you've been kicked in the guts. You can choose to be angry, bitter, and twisted, or you can move through it in an empowered way, feel all your feelings and learn to laugh about it. And she chose to do the latter, which is really cool. Wow, that, that's really powerful. And you've mentioned something interesting that will lead us now into our final section. You, see, you talk about uh, how do you respond when you're you know, being kicked in the gut? You could either be look at it optimistically or you could be bitter. And you also yeah. spoke about supporting each other. Uh, would you mind mentioning, you know, three mentors that helped you in your career 
as a coach. Would you mind mentioning yeah. three failures in your career and what you learned from them about life and now that has made you stronger? And what would be three things you would tell your 18-year-old self knowing what you know now? Yeah, so um, many of some of my mentors I've never actually met. Um, so I'll, I'll share with you an example. I'll share with you about some of the mentors I've never met and then I'll share the mentors that I have met. Um, one of the most mind-blowing books I ever read was um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. And the, the reason why that book just blew my mind is because it was the first book I ever read where the main protagonist himself, Malcolm X, was just very honest and open about how it's important to change your mind when you receive new information. Um, to, it's okay to be passionate about something, but when you receive new information that behooves you to change your mind, you need to change your mind. And, and I found that very, very impressive. Um, also, the books by Maya Angelou, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, that book has stayed with me because uh, it was also a book where the main protagonist, she, you know, herself, Maya Angelou, was just honest about her mistakes and unapologetic about them. So those two people taught me of how um, impressive and how helpful it is when you're just honest about uh, your stuff ups um, and, and you just, you own them and you move on. Um, in terms of face-to-face -face mentors, I mean, um, you know, my mom uh, is a pretty amazing lady. Uh, she, the business, she's always running different businesses um, and she has started even the most recent business she started, she did when she was, you know, in her in her seventies. So uh, my mom was someone um, is someone who just keeps going and going and going. So um, I I just find that so amazing uh, about her. Just it wasn't an official mentoring relationship, but um, I I get a lot of my drive, I believe, and my get up and go from uh, my mom. Um, my very first coach, a lady called Margaret. Margaret um, uh, really helped me a lot with the information that she shared with me. Um, um, another mentor was uh, a coach called Kemi. Uh, Kemi was um, my mentor for a brief time in Australia. Um, she taught me a lot about business and you know the importance of gratitude. Uh, she introduced me to her network of women. So I met a lot of women through her. So um, I think always having an attitude of um, wanting to learn uh, will mean that the, the, the mentors and teachers come to you officially and unofficially. Yes. Um, all, my, all my business coaches have been uh, mentors as well. Um, three failures. Um, I mean, you, <laughs> you, you fail a lot when you run um, a business. Um, I remember my first ever event. You, you've been to my events, Andrew. Sometimes it's a packed house. But I remember my very first event that I tried to run in Australia. Only one person signed up. Wow. <laughs> and he was a relative of my husband. So it was a PT <laughs> registration probably. <laughs> yeah. So that, that kept me humble. Um, and it made me realize that, hey, you know, I can think what I'm doing is amazing. But what's most important is what do potential customers and clients really think about this? Am I really serving their needs or is this just an egotistical thing I'm doing? 
So remembering to always be of service um, is is something that that helps me in my business. Um, when I was younger, I was sure that I would be in corporate for most of my life, but that wasn't to be the case. So I was really humbled when um, I stopped enjoying my corporate experience um, and it happened quite fast. It, it forced me to stop and really think in my mid-20s, CC, uh, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do every day when you wake up, uh, when you get onto a, into a car, a bus, a taxi or whatever, and you're going to work? What do you want that experience to be about? So that's a quote-unquote failure that, um, gosh, it, it it's, was one of the best things uh, that ever happened to me. Um, and, you know, just little failings every now and then, you know, um, when I get into an argument uh, with my husband, um, uh, when I lose my patience with my daughter, it's... Um, there are always uh, great opportunities for me to reflect, um, to look at my own behavior, and to own what's mine. Uh, that was a mistake I used to make a long time ago, Andrew. I would own everything. I would blame myself for everything. But again, my, my, I've evolved in my personal development journey. And now I can say, actually, that's, this is mine and I'm owning it, but this is not mine. You know, that's, that's somebody else's thing. Uh, to deal with. Um, and this happens personally and professionally, you know, uh, with family, with friends. Um, it's, it's, it's important to own what's yours, uh, to apologize when you need to apologize, to correct whenever you need to correct. So I think we fail daily <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's important to embrace it and, and, and laugh at it and, um, grow and learn from it. You know, there's a gentleman called David Kolb, K-O-L-B, who talks about experiential learning. And he basically says, after you've had an experience, any experience, reflect on it. What, how did it feel? Was it great? Was it not so great? What worked? What didn't work? After you've reflected on it, think about what you want to do differently, what you want to start doing, what you want to stop doing. And after you've thought about it, when you have that experience again, apply the new ideas you, you've come up with and, and then see what the experience is like after that. So I, I find that a really handy tool to use personally and professionally. Uh, three things to tell my 18-year-old self. Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I would say to my 18-year-old self, Cece, there's a grand plan. Um, you need to just experience life. Uh, there is a grand plan. There, there is, without doubt, an organizing force um, in the world, in the universe. Um, and, you know, some people call that force God. Some people call it something else. But um, I've coached atheists as well, Andrew, and, and even atheists acknowledge that, look, there is some kind of organizing force at play here. Mm. So I would tell my 18-year-old self that um, there, there's a grand plan. Um, life is an adventure and, and uh, just, just enjoy and savor each day. Uh, I would have told my 18-year-old self to be more compassionate um, and kind to people and, and to realize that everybody's going through some stuff. Um, if you haven't been treated well, it's not necessarily because the person doesn't like you or love you. It's because they're going through their own stuff. 
Um, and I would certainly say to my 18-year-old self, learn how to forgive, learn how to forgive and, and do it quickly and often uh, because hanging on to things just slows you down mentally and emotionally and it makes you afraid of living life to the full. Um, learn how to forgive and, and have fun. You got to have fun. You got to have fun. Uh, when, you look at, when you look around at the universe, the universe is, is uh, it, it's very whimsical, um, Andrew. I mean, one tree looks one way, another tree looks another way. One, you know, giraffes, lions, bears. I mean, <laughs> yes. the diversity and the beauty and the, the quirkiness and whimsicalness. Um, I don't think uh, the, the, the earth takes itself very seriously. It just does what it does and it does it really well. And it does it in a lighthearted way. Um, but everything gets done. Uh, and that's, uh, that's food for thought. Yes, it's interesting you say that. And uh, yeah, let's move into the second part of our lightning round. Now, I, I like having my guests answer three movies they like, three books, three songs. Now, with the three books you already uh, mentioned, Malcolm X autobiography and Maya Angelou, I know why the cage bird sings. So I guess you can just yeah. add one more to that. And yeah, three movies and three songs. It can either be old school or something you're listening to now. Yeah. Um, uh, another book I highly recommend is After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. Um, After the Ecstasy, The Laundry by Jack Kornfield, K-O-R-N-F-I-E-L-D. It's a fantastic book. Uh, Jack Kornfield is an ordained uh, Buddhist monk. Um, he, he is American um, uh, by birth, but he's traveled far and wide. And it's a fantastic book because he shares how even a Buddhist monk like himself and all his colleagues, they still have to live on planet Earth with all uh, its problems and all their personal problems. And um, he, he makes uh, a Buddhist monk um, very human very accessible, very approachable. And I think it's important for people to know, even those who appear very Zen, even those who appear very successful, they're humans and they're going through their own stuff. Um, and the book shares uh, different tools um, we can apply in our own lives to, to help us through some of the, the tough times. And the tough times are designed to make you better. That's a really important thing to remember. I also read a lot of fiction, though, um, Andrew. At the moment, I'm reading uh, a series called Empire of the Moguls, mm -hmm. which is a fascinating account of um, the, the, the moguls from, uh, of, of the past, um, who, you know, they, they existed in, um, you know, present-day India, uh, uh, I think Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkey, all those sorts of places. Yes. So... Um, that's uh, the Mughal Empire. I, I don't remember learning about it in school, so I'm really enjoying uh, learning uh, about those guys um, and, and their adventures. Um, the, the Taj Mahal is an example of um, Mughal-inspired architecture. So it's, it's pretty cool. I enjoy um, uh, watching stand-up comedy. In terms of movies, uh, the classic Matrix, the Matrix is, uh, is and always will be a classic for me. So many um, messages, uh, overt and covert, in that movie. You can still watch it again today and learn something new. Um, 
but also it was just aesthetically very pleasing. Mm. Um, another movie which I found amazing was Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino, where he plays uh, a blind uh, former um, uh, military uh, officer. And um, mm. I, I think his acting was just remarkable. I think he won the Oscar for that, actually. Was it the one, was it the one where there's... Was it the one where there's a scene close to the end where he stands up for a boy in a boy's school and he gives this speech? But well, that's a different opportunity. Um, it, it's, uh, the, it's the one where he was blind and um, yes. he was being looked after yes. um, uh, by, by the, the, the young guy. I've, oh, I've just forgotten the actor's name now. But uh, it was a brilliant example of getting excellent in the work that you do because Al Pacino is not blind, (laughs) but he played a blind guy and he didn't have shades on, you know, it's very easy. I I imagine it would be easier to play a blind man if you had shades on, Mm -hmm. but throughout the entire movie, he didn't have his shades on. So um, for me that, and I watched that movie when I was very young and I was very moved by the performances. And I just thought, wow, this, this is what it looks like when you've mastered your craft and when you're really good at what you do. So it's very inspiring. Um, I'm really enjoying um, the shift that uh, movies have taken now. Uh, Of course, I loved Black Panther, um, but I didn't just love Black Panther because it had dark-skinned people in it. I loved Black Panther because it was a successful action flick that wasn't didn't have gratuitous violence or nudity. <laughs> and yes. that tells you something about the world, Andrew. It really does. Because for a very long time, Hollywood has been saying, no, we're giving you what you want. But th- there was no gratuitous nudity or violence in that film. And it grossed so much money. So that tells you something about what people want. People just want a good movie. You don't have to throw in a naked woman in there or uh, some you know, gory uh, murder scene to get people's attention. Um, in coaching, we say to people, be very careful what um, you're watching and what you're reading, because that will influence your beliefs about uh, the world. Um, so you want to keep it healthy. Um, yeah, so those are some examples of movies uh, that um, I really love. There, there's so many more I could mention. Oh, in terms of songs, yes. wow, I, my, my playlist is, is very varied. Um, I am listening to um, Gurumul, G-U-R-R-U-M-U-L. Gurumul is an Australian, uh, he's also blind as well, um, uh, an Australian uh, Aboriginal um, singer, vocalist, guitarist. Um, his, his albums are, are just, uh, they're, they're wonderful. And I highly recommend uh, you listen. It's just very soothing. He's got an amazing voice. Um, of course, I love listening to um, some of the, the, the oldies but goodies like Lauren Hill, D'Angelo, um, loving the Afrobeats. Um, and, and listen, I do love hip hop as well. I, I find the stories of uh, successful hip hop artists quite, quite remarkable. Um, those men and women have um, lifted themselves up from uh, poverty and difficulty to become the sorts of human beings that influence the world. Anyone and and that's quite a remarkable feat. Say again? Anyone in particular you want to name? 
Um, gosh, there's so many. Um, the late Notorious B.I.G., um, Kendrick Lamar. Um, there's, there's uh, you know, Common. Um, I, I love listening to those guys. You know, your Erica Badu's. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite fascinated by the story of the Wu-Tang, for example. I think the RZA is quite amazing just in terms of how he thinks. Um, I, I'm really interested in uh, people who uh, exercise their polymathic, um, uh, they, they express, I should say, their polymathic uh, uh, personalities. Um, I find such people quite interesting. But from a coaching perspective, uh, Andrew, anybody who takes themselves from poverty to, to <laughs> uh, being an influencer globally, that's, that's somebody who might have some information to share with us <laughs> about mindset and behavior. That's true. Yeah. And then, of course, I listen to, I listen to a lot of jazz. I like Miles Davis um, and John Coltrane. I listen to a lot of jazz. Wow. Wow. That's a very yeah. eclectic uh, mix. And, uh, yeah, and, and of any, course, Afrobeats. Yes, yes. <laughs> any particular artist or you just search for Afrobeats uh, selection? Um, I, I, gosh, there, hi, 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 where do I begin? There are just um, so many. Uh, Davido, uh, uh, Diamond Platinums, uh, Burna Boy. <laughs> there, there are just so many, you know. Yemi Alade, Alikiba, there's so many. Um, and of course, reggae. I mean, listen, we could go on and on and on. <laughs> yes. We could go on and on and on. But yes. um, reggae-wise, I like listening to Coffee, K-O-F-F-E. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I love, we love music. It's something that um, we enjoy in common. So um, at any given time, there's a different tune playing in our house and our little daughter um, seems to like it too. So that's cool. Yes. And now, you know, with the name, how did you come up with the name, the main protagonist? That's a great question. And thanks for asking. The main protagonist is the name given to the lead character. It's another way of saying the lead character in a story, be it a movie, be it a book. And I selected that name because I I value creativity um, not just in the fine arts, but also creative thinking. And I just want people to know that you are the main protagonist in the story of your life. Take the lead role. And I'll share with you an interesting story, Andrew. Um, in the early, early days of my business, a lady, an Australian lady came up to me and said, you know, this was after a, 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 an event. And she said, you know, the name of your business really got me thinking. And I said, what were you thinking about? And she said, I've been the sidekick for too long. It's time for me to be the main protagonist in my own life. And that was the day I said, yep, we are sticking with this name. (laughs) It's a mouthful, the main protagonist.com. But what that lady said to me that day, Andrew, it has stayed with me. I mean, this happened many years ago. She said she's been the sidekick for too long. She's always the person helping the main protagonist with their projects. She's afraid of starting her own things. She's always the helper, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And I'm happy to say this lady, we, we stayed in touch later 
and she she did start her own thing. She did start her own projects and her own businesses. So, I mean, it's it's um, it's it's powerful to think about it that way. You're the lead character in your own life, and and never forget that. That is so very powerful. And uh, you know, with a name like that, we have to finish it off this way. Then, who are your three favorite heroes, three favorite villains, and three favorite stories? You mean uh, just across, across the, the board of books yes. and movies yes. I've mentioned? Yeah, across the board, yeah. <laughs> Specific heroes, yeah. villains, and stories. Well, I'll be honest with you, I don't have three. I just have one of each. Okay, sure. My favorite, um, my favorite superhero is uh, Batman, and I'll tell you why. It's because um, Bruce Wayne doesn't really have any superpowers. He's just uh, a regular dude who has used the power of his mind and his physicality to do some interesting things with his life. And I think a lot of people forget that. A lot of people forget that Batman doesn't actually have superpowers. So I, I really appreciate that about him. And my favorite villain is his arch nemesis, the Joker. Um, the, the Joker from the comic books, not, not the Joker from the movies. <laughs> The Joker from the comic books is um, such a fascinating character from a psychological perspective because Batman and the Joker are two sides of uh, the same coin. Everybody has a superhero and a supervillain within them. And depending on the choices you make, you're either being one or the other. Um, but quite apart from that, I just love the Joker's sense of humor. <laughs> So how is how is how how is a Joker opposite to Batman? I I, th I thought there were two different uh, kinds of people, but you're saying that they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. How so? Well, ask yourself this question: Why doesn't the Joker ever get eliminated? <laughs> he just keeps coming back, coming back, coming back, and it's a it, it's it's symbolic of many different things. Like uh, like I just said. You know, everybody has a superhero and a supervillain in them. It it just depends on the choices that you make. Um, you know, at, at every moment you're at a crossroads. You can go left, you can go right. So, you know, for example, right now during COVID-19, um, Andrew, um, you know, we anyone who's running a business needs to get money from their clients and customers, right? Yes. Are you going to be self-centered and self-absorbed or and demand to be paid what you're owed? Or are you going to practice compassion and empathy and think of the big picture? Um, are you going to tell a lie or are you going to tell the truth? I mean, at various moments throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, uh, you're being invited to be um, the hero or to, to be the villain. And I read uh, a very fascinating and thought-provoking quote, and it said, um, I hope I say this correctly, it said, when you're young and naive, you're cheering for the superhero and you're blaming the supervillain. But as you get older you start to understand the villain. Um, the villain has a backstory. The villain wasn't born that way. He was made, he or she was made that way. Um, there's a reason why uh, the Joker is never eliminated. 
Um, there will always be that energy exchange in the world, I believe. There will always be, and it's not even a battle between good and evil. It's just an acknowledgement that you have some good days and you have some crappy days. Um, I love the complexity of those two characters because I tell you what, Andrew, nobody is perfect. Everybody, even me, I have my dark moments. And that was something in my early 20s I used to be ashamed of and I used to try and hide it away and try really hard to be this good, decent person and feel so much shame, for example, if I ever got angry or irritated or said a sharp word to someone. But now I'm older and I understand the villain. <laughs> you know, life happens. Things happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's no darkness without light yeah night day up down left right um happy sad uh, there's no darkness uh without light but i also just love um the joker's smart mouth (laughs) he's just so um there's a there's a scene my favorite Joker in terms of movie character, my favorite uh, Joker was Heath Ledger. The late uh, Heath Ledger did, you know, executed that role yes. so brilliantly. And, um, you know, I lived in Australia for a long time. So, so um, Heath Ledger is somebody I, you know, you'd hear about a lot um, in Australia. Um, there's, a, there's a scene um, in... I think it was the Dark Knight. Yeah, Heath Ledger was the Joker in the Dark Knight. Yes, and th- there's so many thought-provoking things um, that the Joker says. You know, when he says things like "the city needs a better class of criminal," <laughs> <laughs> and I, I laughed. I laugh every time I hear that line because I agree. I mean, my goodness, if you're gonna be a dodgy politician or a dodgy, you know, come come at me with something interesting. Let it not just be <laughs> basic greed, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Let it not just be, I want to own everything. <laughs> I want to run everything. That's <laughs> that's boring, right? <laughs> so I, I just find um, he, he's, uh, the things he says reveals um, somebody who's thinking. Um, of course, he's, he's using his, his abilities in an unhelpful and destructive way. Yes. Um, uh, but the, 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 uh, I just want to emphasize, you know, there's a reason why the Joker um, doesn't die. Um, that energy will always exist on, on the planet. And it's about how we choose to engage with it. Do you want to be someone who pretends it's not there and you sugarcoat everything with positive thinking? Or do you want somebody who focuses only on the negativity? Um, or do you want to be somebody who is evolved in your thinking and you, you look at Batman, you look at the Joker and you go, ah, yes, I am both those things. <laughs> wow. Both those things exist. Um, uh, both those things are present in, in everybody. Yeah, no, nobody is perfect. Even our modern day real life heroes. Uh, you know, Andrew, whenever some scandal um, um, appears, um, I, I'm so much less judgmental. Um, I used to be very judgmental. Um, I'm so, I, I, I'm not as judgmental as I used to be. And I keep, it's something I keep working on. I just go, yep, that was not a smart thing to do. And uh, you're going to get what's coming to you. 
um, but I don't pretend that I'm 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 better than others, and you know, I'm this innocent, pristine angel. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm human. Yeah. Yes, it's really humbling, you know. It's easy to blame the villain, but it's like, hey, we all live in the same place. What has created the villain yeah. to be who they are? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Great. Wow. So uh, I think um, I can let go the 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 favorite stories. Because you've 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 told a lot yeah. of stories. I've shared quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for Thanks your for time. listening and inviting me. Mm. Sure. And if uh, if my listeners or anyone who's hearing this podcast would like to reach out to you just to have a conversation, um, just about anything, you know, how can they reach? How can they reach out to you? They can go to the website, www.themainprotagonist.com. I also have a podcast where I share a lot of free content on wellness and leadership. You can go to soundcloud.com forward slash coach underscore CC Ojani. I remember you saying you would include it in the notes. So please go ahead and do that. Correct. Um, and you can contact me through the website. There's um, a page, uh, a contact us page. So go ahead and click on there. Um, if you would like me to um, run a training for your team, for your organization, um, please get in touch. If you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you lead your team, to help you with well-being, um, please do get in touch. Yes, yes. Uh... Please do get in touch with Cece, as in it will be worth your time. And are some of the workshops that you're having right now on Zoom are they free? How can they? Uh, how how can they see more of that yes. so they, they can get involved and, so, and listen? Yeah, the currently the workshops are open um, and they're free on Zoom. And uh, normally I'll share on the website. But you can also go to Eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com. You can search the main protagonist. Uh, I'll show up there um, and you'll be able to see any event that's coming up. Um, I ran an online class today with an entrepreneur here in Nairobi. That was really great. We're doing one on nutrition um, on Thursday with an amazing pharmacist nutritionist. Um, so they can go to the main protagonist coaching. Um, they can do uh, enter that in the search bar and all the events uh, that I'm running on Eventbrite platform will show up there. All right. That's, that's wonderful. And uh, before we sign off, I haven't yet revealed um, how I came with the title of my podcast. So I'd like to ask my guests, what do you think it means? What does it mean to you after having this conversation? Revenge of the forsaken gods. Yes. Well, well, um, you know, uh, gods. This this idea of gods and goddesses are used uh, in mythology, um, and mythology is a, a really beautiful, complex way of teaching people. If before writing, before we were writing books and and all of this, we were telling stories to help people learn 
And so um, anytime there was a lesson to learn, you know, you would share a story. But a story needs to be interesting in order for people to listen to it. Uh, the story needs to be interesting. So it's important to 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 talk about, you know, uh, gods, goddesses, main protagonists, and all these sorts of things. Uh, the hero, the villain. So for example, in the story of... Um, Narcissus, the word narcissism, uh, there's, a, there's a god called Narcissus who he just he fell in love with his own uh, reflection and that led to all sorts of problems. So the lesson there is, um, you know, don't be self-absorbed, don't be narcissistic. Um, I think there are many gods that have been forgotten and forsaken. And by gods, I just mean uh, ways of behaving, ways of thinking. Um, and mythology is is very helpful and there are different mythologies from different parts of the world uh, uh doing your research and finding um uh different stories slash myth myths uh will give you an idea about what um our ancestors uh felt was important enough to teach and capture in the form of a story and i think a lot of those forsaken ways of being uh, forgotten ways of being are starting to come back. Um, this is their revenge for being forgotten. That's what I think revenge of the forsaken gods means, but I could be completely wrong. <laughs> I like that. I like that uh, attempt. And like every good story, this has to come to an end. Thank you very much. Yes, if thank you, you for having me. Thank you very much. And if you have liked this uh, conversation, Please like, subscribe. I will be posting this up on YouTube, on Anchor FM, or any place where you listen to your podcast. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the rest. And uh, please do give us feedback. You can share what works, what I could improve on. But if you're going to share that, please do share one thing that you've learned as a result of this conversation and what you can apply to your life so that you can let me know if I have achieved my goal of giving you an inspiring educational experience, an informational experience. You can do that by sending me a voice message or a voice note. And this can be found in the description wherever you have listened to this podcast, either on YouTube or any of your preferred podcast platforms. I shall also be providing small clips of uh, the whole conversation if you're not able to listen to the full conversation now, and these shall be also available on YouTube. Thank you for listening to Revenge of the Forsaken Gods, and I will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.